Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. People like to research the paranormal. Many have even sought out to make history with their finds. But have any of us ever stopped to consider the history of the pseudoscience that we practice? Now Paratruth presents a pilgrimage to the paranormal. What's going on, Parafans? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we have to welcome Eric back to the show. Oh, you guys bring tears to my eyes every every week. <laughs> so anybody and everybody who has missed Eric, <laughs> such as myself, please make sure you comment in the comments below. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, just... Uh, Keep him in your thoughts and prayers as he finishes up school because he's got a grueling couple of weeks ahead of himself. But so, it's almost done. Yeah. <laughs> almost, guys. Then you'll never have to hear about school again. <laughs> then Yay. we'll have to worry about uh, hearing about your film career after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everything other than some... Uh, Stressful weeks been going well? Yeah, everything but some stressful weeks have been going well. Uh, you know, keeping up with the grades, getting those A's. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to brag, folks. I'm not trying to brag. <laughs> Just a little, maybe a little, but not much. Um, but you know, it, it's good. You know, it, it, the first week or two was kind of nice, to be honest. Being away from the show, coming home and knowing like, oh, I could just start homework instead of doing the show and then jumping into homework. But then by the third week, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I was so bored. I wanted to do the show. I'm like, I'm so jealous right now. Uh, but it's cool because the time went by relatively quickly for me anyway. Uh, doesn't feel like I've actually been gone that long. So yeah, I'm excited. But, uh, what about you, man? You know, some people know this, not everyone does, but, we had to actually technically skip a week, or you did, because you went on vacation yeah. to Sicily. Man, better vacation than I just took from the show. <laughs> that's for sure. So how was it? It was actually really awesome. Uh, I didn't get to do the uh, catacombs like I had originally wanted to, but it was an experience. Uh, we saw several cathedrals. And we went to a couple farmhouses that had links to Roman history. So it was just awesome to see the history of the areas uh, that we went to. And 
it's good to be back. I'm looking forward to going back again someday and just keep traveling. And maybe someday Eric will be able to go with us and see some awesome sights as well. Mm-hmm. Only if if I go, there's no there's no touring. We're not going <laughs> to no. I don't do tourists. That's not an adventure. An adventure is you go on your own. You find things on your own. <laughs> No tour guides. Actually, I've we had a couple people tell us that sometimes it's cheaper just to do it on your own. So yeah. I mean, probably be cheaper. It'd probably be more fun, I think, because like then you can get lost in the city and have to figure it out. Dude, what, where are we? You're in some like weird, rundown ghetto and <laughs> running for your life, and there's monsters jumping out of sewers, and you realize, yeah, we should have got the tour. But, you know, it's it's fun. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, cool. I'm back from my hiatus. You're back from Sicily. We're back on Parajuth Radio, and we're ready to bring you guys a brand new episode. First and foremost, happy belated Thanksgiving, guys. Happy belated Thanksgiving. And this is our technically Thanksgiving episode. So uh, we got some pretty interesting stuff for you guys as we take a pilgrimage through the paranormal. Ooh, I like the way you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to get started here, we did a lot of research on this. And one thing that I could not really find a whole lot of research on, and I'm pretty sure you didn't find a whole lot either, is a whole lot that happened prior to the 1800s. Other, I mean, we found evidence of, you know, people believing in ghosts, spirits, life after death. But as far as how the evidence started, I really didn't find a whole lot. Did you? No, there, there wasn't much. Uh, the most that, I really found, you know, it, unfortunately, it's very uh, broad it, when it comes to things prior to the 1800s. And so most of these that I found would simply say, oh, paranormal investigation began back in ancient times when spiritualism was a big deal, you know, and there were philosophers and stuff like this. And they were never actually doing investigations like well, we do investigations today, but they were making contact with spirits or with demons and they were summoning them and this and that. And we see that a lot through the Bible as well. We see a lot of witchcraft in which they summon, uh, in which they summon spirits. And we also from, not, not necessarily from scripture, but we know of, uh, King Solomon at one point after falling away from God, uh, during his walk, that he too even started summoning uh, demons, actually, not just spirits, but demons. So, you know, it, it goes back to say that, yes, in a sense, there was a time in which people spoke to spirits for one reason or another, but they were never out to prove or disprove the existence of the afterlife quite like we are today. So, mm. well, very broad. Yeah, just like in a lot of ancient cultures, not just the ancient Christians in you know, even Christians today, there's legends that go back to ancient Greece, ancient Rome, all of these different uh, faiths and religions, and they all talk about spirits. Some of them talk about demons or dark creatures, entities. But yeah, nothing where they were trying to get evidence of such things. Right. Oh, and back then, back in ancient times, there there was really one 
of two ways of looking at at the spirit realm. Either A, they were deceased human beings, the spirits of deceased human beings, or B, they're d- demonic. And depending on what your lifestyle was, what faith you're in, so on and so forth, that kind of uh, organized your personal thoughts and understanding of the spirit realm. Uh, even in the Bible, we see, you know, the word ghost being said numerous times, but yet we see when Jesus comes uh, that he talks more specifically about demons and about demonic entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Peter, you know, when Jesus was walking on water, Peter said, look, it's a ghost. And she said, no, it's, you know, it is me, you know. Uh, but we know that, I think the big question is, when we hear the word ghost in ancient texts, what does that word actually mean? And I think that's something right. that we all need to do a little more research on, especially for those of us in the paranormal community, because I know, I guarantee, and I know some people out there who will say, oh, look, uh, you know, the, this this person says that there was a ghost, and therefore ghosts exist. Back then, they believed in ghosts, such as humans. But it's like, no, if you actually look at the context of what the word ghost is from that particular language back then, it most likely means something completely different. Not necessarily, but could very well mean something different. Right. So, well, like w- with, for example, the reference from the Bible, that meant something different, or it could have been interpreted as something different. And it could yeah. mean the right, like you're saying, could mean the same thing for other faiths or other ancient histories. Right. Well, and you know, one thing to consider is when Peter uh, claims that Jesus is a ghost and he's walking on water, Jesus doesn't rebuke him for it. He doesn't, you know, he says, "I'm not a ghost," but he doesn't say, "Hey, I'm not a ghost, you idiot." There's no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> he just says, you know, "I'm not a ghost." Well, he had so watched what? Ghostbusters, you know? so he knew there was no such there was. Oh such well, thing see, okay, I understand. That makes sense. <laughs> oh, geez, I don't, I don't even know why I do this show. Just, just turn on the TV, guys. And <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so it's those kind of things, and I know people will jump to conclusions based on something that isn't said. But just because something isn't said, you know, doesn't mean that one thing's right or the other, you know, right. if that makes sense. You know, and that, that goes into a whole different type of theological discussion that I'm getting into, which I'm not going to do. <laughs> no rabbit trail for this Today. one. Today. <laughs> so going from that particular span up to the 1800s, we have the spiritualistic movement uh, started with the... Well, I I take that back. It didn't start with the Fox sisters, but the Fox sisters actually made it this huge thing starting in 18... Oh, 1848 is around the time that they actually started their little movement. And uh, it's kind of interesting because they had claimed that they lived in a haunted house, and the younger sisters... Kate and Margaret convinced their older sister that they were picking up on paranormal activity, which was a wrapping, which I had to actually do research on what the heck paranormal wrapping is. That's just the knock. knock. <laughs> just somebody oh. just started beatboxing <laughs> nobody anywhere. It was just... And uh, so they convinced people more than just their family their older sister Leah actually started managing them and 
they got this huge name for themselves. By 1888, they actually both confessed that they were hoaxing the entire thing. Now, Margaret, a year later, tried to recant her confession, but everybody's like, uh, you just said that it was a hoax and you expect us to trust you? No. So within five years, all the sisters were dead because they were penniless. Uh, well, and it's interesting because as you said, that movement, the Fox sisters kind of began all that, all their claims in 1848. And that pretty much lasted that ability uh, to communicate with spirits uh, kind of lasted through the 1920s uh, until, as you all know, the very famous Harry Houdini began exposing some of the famous mediums and performers as frauds. And once he started exposing them as all, all as frauds, people started to say, oh, wait a second, this isn't even real. You know, they never was real. Uh, or at least most of them weren't real, you know, which is interesting. But also around this time, which is... Uh, <laughs> Interesting. I just said interesting three times, guys. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, is also during this time in the 1920s when Houdini was exposing people, uh, there were a number of different beliefs, uh, religious beliefs on spiritualism, uh, which were not presented as science at the time, but the movement of spiritualism began to spawn certain, uh, certain pseudoscientific phenomena, such as ectoplasm, and spirit photography, mm-hmm. which did not ex- really exist before the 1920s. Um, so why exactly all of a sudden we had this, uh, you know, this phenomenon known as ectoplasm and whatnot is, you know, it's weird. And I think what's important before we continue on is just this whole idea of pseudoscience, by the way, because a lot of people don't understand that Investigating the paranormal is indeed a pseudoscience. It's a science, but it's a pseudoscience. Mm. And so what does a pseudoscience mean? What is it? Well, it's basically a collection uh, of beliefs or practices which are mistakenly regarded as being based on scientific method. Mind you, we can't really scientifically prove that ectoplasm exists. There's no way to, like, other than through a mist that you might see on a camera, you can't actually detect it, you can't pick it up, you can't, you know... You can't study it, you can't test it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said uh, about Ghostbusters, it's not like Ghostbusters where you're actually right. being slimed by exactly. Stuff. <laughs> we and it's interesting because just this alone, this whole idea kind of goes hand in hand with many of the other scientific uh, discussions out there right now, even in regarding God, because there's so many atheists who will say God doesn't exist, and they'll try to state their statement, but Science or anything in general can't be a double net, double negative, which means you cannot prove that something does not exist. You can only prove that something does exist, which means if you can, you can only assume that something doesn't exist. Right. Uh, which is for all you Christians out there listening, keep that in mind. When someone tries to tell you that God doesn't exist, there's no real proof. They can't, they can't prove that to you. But, uh. Well, and there are scientists nowadays that are saying, Yes. Oh yeah, there's plenty. There are yeah, there's a bunch of scientists who were once atheists who became Christians based on the evidence that they found because they realized that not just evolution but creation as a whole could not have just taken place by chance. There had to be an intelligent design behind all of it, uh, and all their findings point more to, toward an intelligent designer, which is AKA God, AKA the Lord, uh, 
And that, 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 that in itself is, is their proof. Now, we can't physically touch God. You know, we can't test him or anything like that. And even scripture, uh, warns us of testing God. Um, <clears throat> but there's plenty of evidence which points to him. And that goes back to the historical readings. It, it, it's like a mixture of, another mixture, but there's, there's a difference. There's, I can't remember the exact name for the one, but it's basically the testable science. It's the science in which you're able to test things, you're able to replicate it, you're able to uh, really understand and come to a conclusion as to why something is there, why it does what it does. Mm. But then there's historical science. Basically, you can't test anything, and it's not repeatable. All you're simply doing and all you can do is look back into history through texts, through books, through different information that people have written down, through uh, what we see on the ground as physical or in the oceans, et cetera, et cetera, that prove why it's there. So basically historical science allows you to answer the question, why does this exist, while... Testable science allows you to answer why something does what it does, which is which is interesting because God does stuff and He, you know, created things. But we have to look at the physical realm in order to understand God. Right. All right, folks. Before we get too much more into this, we're going to take our first break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio network we will be right back after eric's random fact of the day now eric's random fact of the day hey ladies did you know that there's a book that tells you everything that guys know about you and guys have you ever wanted to know everything that there is to know about women well have no fear the book you need is here In fact, it's been around since 1995 and is a staple in understanding women. The book is made up of 120 scholarly blank pages. That's right, you heard me, blank. The book is written by Dr. Alan Francis and it tells you exactly what guys know about women, which is absolutely nothing. So if you're interested in learning more about what men know about women, then pick up your copy today. Science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. All right, folks. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking about the pilgrimage through the paranormal 
or we're taking a pilgrimage through the paranormal. And we were just talking about uh, Houdini and how he had started stuff. And it's actually kind of interesting because Eric and I really didn't talk about what we were going to touch base on. But in my notes, I had Houdini, the paranormal debunker, 1920. And he... It basically went into kind of what Eric was talking about. Houdini actually started debunking mediums and psychics because he started wanting to communicate with the, his dead mother. His his mother died around 1920s area, and he started going to mediums and psychics, and they were basically just telling him stuff that made no sense whatsoever and he's like uh no you're completely wrong i mean i don't know where you're getting your information so he became a self-appointed crusader against mediums and psychics and started debunking them and everything else and in 1923 he was actually joined a panel put together by scientific american magazine which had offered an award for any medium that could prove their gifts were genuine and we actually want to get somebody on who wrote a book about this. Uh, it's called The Witch of Lime Street and talks about this one woman that this panel had a hard time proving that her, her stuff was not genuine. So not to get into too much of that because I want we want to get into that with the guy that wrote the book, but... It's interesting, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Scientific American Magazine or something similar to that, the award is has still not been awarded to anybody to this day. Hmm. That's interesting, guys and girls, <laughs> especially those again. of you who practice mediumship. Mm-hmm. So uh, one other thing we wanted to touch base on, and I'll give this over to you since you had brought it up uh, before the show, is Thomas Edison and his telephone to the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something else that happened in 1920. A lot of stuff happened back then. Uh, A lot of people wanting s- to contact the dead. Yeah, but as we said, the 1920s is really that time uh, of history in which this, this, this want and need to know of the afterlife became really popular uh, in modern times. I mean, it's been popular forever, but especially in modern times. Mm. <clears throat> and so during this time when there was a bunch of spiritualism and Ouija boards and, and a number of different investigations going on in regards to the spiritual realm, Thomas Edison actually told American Magazine that he was working on a device known as a spirit phone. Now, what is a spirit phone? Basically, it's a phone that allows you to contact the dead or vice versa. Uh, in fact, there was one point in which a man came up to Thomas Edison and asked, when I die, how is it that I'm supposed to contact you through the phone? Like, what does he do in the spirit realm? Of mm-hmm. course, there, I'm sure there's, there's no one tells us. There's nothing written that says he answered the question specifically as to what he's supposed to do because, I mean, how are you supposed to know what to do in the spirit realm, right? Right. <clears throat> However, a lot of people started wondering whether or not this device actually existed. Now, Thomas Edison did indeed say that he wanted to create it or was working on it, but unfortunately, he died before its completion. Now, many people believe that it was a hoax because there has never been a schematic found 
and there has never been a prototype ever found, which only assumes that either A, Thomas Edison was lying about the whole thing, or B, he did have an idea and was working on it, but working on it in his mind as opposed to mm-hmm. in a, phys- you know, on a physical creation of it or writing it down or anything like that. Uh, so chances are, I mean, in my personal belief, I think chances are there's it's likely he wasn't actually wasting his time on it, even though he was interested in the paranormal at the time. I think he had other things that were going that was going on and they were much more important in regards to his business. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there really wasn't much shown uh, or nothing really showed up in regards to this device, you know, is it, interesting. However, people, of course, were interested enough and decided, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. And sure enough, there were a number of different uh, imposters who showed up over the years trying to create this new spirit phone. And one was called the Psychophone. Uh, which is really interesting, but it was shown on a PBS History Detectives feature, and it wasn't authentic. And so it's needless to say that even to this day, and this is back in 1920, even today in 2016, this spirit phone still doesn't exist. No one has yet come up with a way to really get spirits to talk to you, you know, through well, through devices if you're talking to someone across country. Of course... It is modern times, and we have devices that kind of help us, EVP devices, you know, digital voice recorders, kind of work. Those are things you, you all know. You ask a question, the spirit responds, and you replay it, and you hear it. Now, you're not actually hearing it in real time, so it's not really quite like a phone. The other thing is a spirit box, which Justin is very familiar with and actually created one. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I think that's probably the most like this spirit phone, uh, considering the spirit phone was kind of based on different radios and radio waves and how it was going to transfer this information from the spirit realm to the physical realm. However, even with the, uh, even with the ghost box or the spirit box, there tends to be interference at times because it's a radio shack hat. You often, basically what happens is the radio transfers through frequencies really fast. And every once in a while, you get a voice that comes in. Now, the problem with that is some of these voices, you cannot say for sure whether it's a spirit talking or just a word being picked up from a random radio station that you're crossing. So that's the problem with the spirit box. Uh, And usually, in most cases, even though there's several who do, in most cases, paranormal investigators who use the spirit box do not use it to support evidence. Or let me rephrase that. They'll use it to support evidence, but the spirit box itself is not evidence. Um, right. Basically, just because of that reason, because there could be interference. It, it may not be exactly true. It may not be real. So, to this day, the actual spirit phone or the psychophone, as someone had once made, doesn't actually exist. And whether or not it's going to exist in the future, who the heck knows? But it's an interesting concept, that's for sure. Well, and the ghost box or Radio Shack hack was actually based off an invention called Frank's Box. Now, I cannot remember for the life of me the inventor's full name, but he had invented a a box from a radio, and I've had people tell me that this box, because a gentleman by the name of Chris Moon, who is well-known in the paranormal community, has one that he got from Frank himself, and it doesn't work the same as the Radio Shack hack. 
I don't know how it works, but people claim that their relatives' voices are coming through like as if they were talking to them while they're still alive. Can it be faked? Sure. Can there be people that are listening from the other side of the wall and just mimicking a voice that they think is something close? Absolutely. But as Eric just said, scientifically, there's no proof to that. Yes, they may answer questions to what you're asking or like Eric had brought up in our show that we did about our past investigations when we were using the Radio Shack hack and we were getting actual answers to what Eric was saying. Is that mm-hmm. still really proof? No, it could have just been coincidence. But right. <clears throat> So that kind of brings us up to pretty much modern day, between the 1920s to around the 1960s, 70s, around the time of the, the Warrens, I guess I should say. The Warrens actually kind of were the the ones that started the ghost hunting movement, if you will, because they were the ones that were starting to go around and do investigations in people's homes when they were claiming that there were these violent paranormal activities going on. Mm-hmm. Now, did you do a whole lot of research into the Warrens? No. Um, I I have and haven't in the past. I didn't do it specifically for this show because they are basically pretense to what we have today. They would do right. recordings. They would get EVPs. Lorraine was a, a psychic or a sensitive. I'm not sure which. And they were, I believe, devout Catholics, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But they they brought us to modern day ghost hunting because they paved the way for all these people to start doing not just research, but experimentation with devices and, you know, all this other stuff. So with the Warrens, we have this huge thing going on. Granted, back then it was very taboo. Even in the 1920s, in the 1800s, it was considered taboo. You did not talk about this stuff in normal everyday dinner talk, if you will. Mm -hmm. But after the Warrens, you know, we have people doing paranormal investigations with different teams and whatnot. So we get to paranormal teams and everybody's doing their thing. And then eventually taps gets their own TV show and it explodes even more than what it was before. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, I mean, it's the introduction of television, really, bringing the paranormal, you know, community to TV really, really spreads the news quickly and gets people interested, to say the least. Uh, you know, it, I think what was different is that in the past, whether it be ancient times or the 1800s, 1900s, whatever, uh it was more about psychology, parapsychology, and this and that, you know, and trying to understand uh, just, just what exactly these spirits are and where they come from and whether or not there's life after death. Uh, but once we jumped into 
the mid nineties and the two thousands and even to now, we started switching from this almost scientific method type of thing into a more techno mysticism as uh John Potts had had written about once. Uh, he said that he believes it's more of a techno mysticism now because we're using technology to try to capture things that simply we typically cannot feel or see. Now obviously we can feel, we can see, we can hear, et cetera, et cetera, the spirits. But a whole new side of paranormal research was developed, basically. And now people are creating these just outlandish devices to try to capture ghosts. And what's interesting to me in regards to all of this is that these devices, which are supposedly uh, warranted to help you find a ghost doesn't really have any proof backing it up because we don't fully understand what the spirit is made up of. If we don't know what the spirit is made up of, then how can we ever test it and use devices to find it? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And it kind of goes along the lines of, you know, how we do our show. There's no even proof of if these are human spirits or demonic spirits as from a Christian view, you would be uh, viewing it as. So it's... The best we can say is that we're detecting spirits, quote unquote, even though you can debunk uh, detecting spirits with the different devices because you'll have faulty electrical lines and huge EVP things uh, come from different devices in your house. So... Mm -hmm. That kind of brings. I'm sorry, EMF. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, So that could be affecting you in the sense of having EMF. I don't want to say poisoning. That's not the right word for it. But it it does affect your mind and your attitude. And Eric actually came across an article about this as far as the mind creating ghost spirits because of EMF. He came across an article where this this person did a scientific research study, and I, I wanted you to kind of touch base on that, even though you can't find the article again. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, forgive me about that, guys, because uh, I actually had the article, and unfortunately it won't come up on my MacBook or my iMac computer. So my, I don't really have it here in front of me, but Basically, there was a study that was conducted in which a group of people were brought together and asked to create a fictional character. It could be any character, man, woman, whatever. Uh, and they wanted to, they wanted him to have as much detail as possible. So these this group of people had to come up with like the day he was born, the day that he died, if he got married, where he lived, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they spent several days even weeks conducting this and coming up with the story. Once they had the story, they were then asked, okay, now do us a favor and try to visualize this character. Try to think of what he looks like, what he sounds like, you know, what are his mannerisms, things like that. And so the group got together again and they began to try to visualize this, this person that they created in their mind. Uh, and it, it went on for several days to 
and nothing happened. Like they, they could not come up with a good visual. So they decided as a group that they would have more of a seance style meeting in which they turned out the lights, gathered around a table, and turned on some candles. They thought that this would maybe help them to envision uh, their character more uh, more uh, detailed and descriptively. And so as they were doing this, suddenly one person heard a voice. And the voice was exactly what they had pictured from this character that they created. And then another person started to hear it and then see it. And then as time went on, they started hearing little uh, rapping noises on the table. They started asking questions. And the spirit started answering, either through knocks or through movements, stuff like that. There was at one point, supposedly, that the table would even move from side to side, would tilt on one leg, uh, would float, etc. Uh, and so, in the end, the scientists claim, based on their study, on this whole study, that obviously someone could not, basically a spirit could not exist if it never existed in the first place. So a person who conduct the people who came up with this uh, fictional character, who then started witnessing this character and hearing from him and talking to him, could not have actually been talking to an actual human being or spirit because that thing never existed. Therefore, ghosts, in this case at least, don't really exist, but instead the paranormal only exists in the mind of the beholder. Now that's interesting. And I know many of you are probably thinking, well, yeah, I can see how that can come about, you know, and we all know how strong the mind is. Mm. Plenty capable of manipulating our surroundings on our own without any, you know, outside influences. Yeah. However, some of you, and Justin and I included, are thinking, well, hey, what if there's an entity who's obviously watching in on this and picks up on these different mannerisms, watching them write down, you know, the, these mannerisms and this life story and then hearing the people talk to them? And then decides to develop the character themselves. Now, in this case, I'm thinking demonic because we know that demons like to portray people. They like to tr- portray live humans, not live humans, but the ones that are you know, dead. Uh, and um, especially kids, you know, they like to portray children, and it's really creepy. But they're able to they're able to distinguish their voice so precisely that you would think you're talking to your mom even though it wasn't really your mom's voice. It sounded like her, looked like her, but it's really a demonic entity. And so in this case, there is a chance where these people were creating this fictional character, and the fictional character came to life because there was a spirit on the other side who was watching their every move, and they decided to manipulate the whole situation and then present it to them like, hey, yeah, I exist, you know. So now it's one of those where it's up in the air. Obviously, scientists say, oh, no, ghosts aren't real because of this experiment. And, of course, it doesn't prove everything, but it proves some things. Uh, and then you have the other side where you say, hey, maybe he was manipulated. Maybe there's a demonic entity got in a whiff of it and decided to, to play games. In the end, it only does one thing. It provides us with more questions. Because it answers absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, and that's the one thing that's interesting, I think, about paranormal investigating altogether. Throughout the centuries, we never really get any full answers. It's always a new question, which answers the last question, which begs a new question. You know? Is there's no such thing as answers in the paranormal community. We can't definitively say, based on science, that there's life after death. That's more of a faith-bound thing. 
you have to believe in it. You have to, you know, personally, I know you and I both, we believe that there's life after death, mm. but we can't scientifically prove that. Right. We cannot test it. You know, we cannot, we just can't. So yeah, it's interesting. And yet people are still continuing to do investigations as if they're going to be able to prove it, but they can't, they never will. And I know people are thinking, Oh, that's wrong. You know, I'm going to create a device in which we will prove it, but guarantee you there's a reason I'm saying you never prove it. (laughs) But well, you know, we've had guests on and, you know, we always ask them, you know, if they think that in sometime in the near future, if they feel that we're ever going to be able to prove the existence of ghosts or spirits and all of them say, we hope so. Right. <laughs> we hope so. Nobody says, "Oh yeah, we're we're so close, we can almost taste it." So it's <laughs> kind of interesting. And in that particular experiment that you were talking about, you said you didn't yeah. come across anything that they had any like recording devices or cameras or anything like that to show that this stuff was actually happening or if it was just in the mind of the people. Right. I mean, in the article, it was kind of written from a third person point of view. Uh, because the person who wrote it wasn't there, neither as a scientist or as a participant. Therefore, he's basically, this person was basically relating a story from us, you know, another story, most likely. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, and unfortunately, it was just a very, uh, I don't want to say inconclusive, but it wasn't conclusive. Uh, it, it, in regards to the evidence as to what, as to how it actually took place and what happened, you know, it's just it was it it had detail, but not enough detail to say, oh, here's my reasoning as or here's the reasoning as to what they saw. You know, no one came forth to say, hey, this is what I heard and saw, and here's the evidence for it. Well, doesn't I mean, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Scientific, not theory, but the way that you do a scientific experiment is you just keep adding variables to you, till you get the response that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, scientifically, they they proved it, but it's still not one hundred percent definitive proof that there is or isn't life after death, ghosts, right. spirits, demons, angels. Right. It doesn't prove any of that. It just proves that when they put so much variables into it, they finally got the result that they were looking for. Right. It's it's really interesting that, in a sense, they they got scientific evidence, but in another sense, yeah, no, it doesn't point me to yes or no. <laughs> no, no so interesting stuff. Um, Absolutely. Was there anything else that you came across as far as like? Just even modern day stuff that you wanted to point out as, uh. Well, you know, when it comes to the different devices that are being used, I think, I think that's some, now I know this sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm not. When I say that like, <clears throat> the devices that are used to try to find the spirit or that'll actually, you know, help you make contact, I think those are something that just can't simply be like they can't really be made because we don't know what the spirit is made of. We can have ideas like energy, for example. People say, "Oh, magnet, mm-hmm. magnetic." There's magnetic. Can't talk. There's magnetism within the spirit, you know. And therefore, if you you know bring up a K two or anything like that, it's gonna 
you're going to get some kind of a real uh, message from the energy source of the spirit. Uh, but we can't prove that that's exactly what that's coming from. Again, we've got EMF, and EMF meters, get tuned stuff like that, pick up these electromagnetic fields, and they can come from anything and everything. It can come from wire, it can come from our telephones, whether our cell phone, a line in the wall, the computers, you name it. Um, however, I think they do come in handy to prove that there is the existence of EMF. Mm. So in this case, we're not proving that there's a ghost, but we're dis, not disproving. That's sort of, I think that's what I'm going with. We're not proving that there's a ghost. Instead, we're disproving that there's a ghost. And that's what we have to try to do in this case. It's called the, you know, it's debunking. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with uh, devices that record or find carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide, you know, as we know, it's, or at least most know, it's tasteless, it's odorless, you can't see it, it's invisible. Uh, and yet we have meters that allow us to detect that because even in low quantities, something like carbon monoxide can start messing with our bodies and making mm-hmm. us feel things and we wouldn't even know about it. You know, we'd be like, oh, I'm starting to feel nauseous. Well, why is that? Well, maybe it's carbon monoxide, not because there's a spirit manifesting near you. Uh, there's also sounds that can actually mess with your mind. Uh, there's different ambient noises that are, right. you know, when you look at it through uh, the Hertz cycle, for example, depending on the amount, the number of Hertz within a sound, it can cause a number of different things to happen in your body. The lower the, the hertz, the less the symptom, the higher the worse. Uh, the lowest, of course, which I can't think offhand what it is, I think it's something like three to five hertz or something like that, uh, of this audio can start giving you headaches. And then as you increase it, you start to get uh, chest or pain in your chest, pain in your stomach, nausea, you start to get sweaty, you start you know, this and that, uh, even to the point of where you're so sick that you may even die. I mean, it's crazy, but it's amazing what sound can actually do to the body if it's, I can only think of the word broadcasted, but if it's broadcasted in a bad frequency or in a bad hurt cycle, I mean, it can, it can be harmful. And that's something that we need these devices for because it'll help us to distinguish Okay, why am I feeling this right now? Mm. And then you can find the source. And of course, if you can't find a source, then we have this option. Maybe, maybe there's a ghost, you know. Or maybe you have something medically wrong with you, and that's why your head hurts and you're having an episode. And you know what? We've come across that in our (laughs) investigations. I mean, it it happens. I think the biggest and most important thing to investigations is to ask questions. Mm. Not just ask questions to the individuals that you're helping, whether it be a home or, you know, some, some, uh, a restaurant or something like that, but ask yourself questions as you're performing the investigation. I know a lot of people who will simply, uh, take a picture and say, oh, there's a ghost or hear a noise and say, oh, there's a ghost or see something and say, oh, there's a ghost. You need to start asking questions, guys. Ask questions that'll help you disprove the existence of the ghost. Only then, can you possibly come to the conclusion that there was a ghost? Well, that kind of even puts stuff going all the way back to the 1800s. Back then, psychological science was in its primitive stages as far as I'm concerned. Even, I mean, even today, 
we still don't understand psychological problems any more than we did <clears throat> in the past. We've right. come a long way, yes, but back then, I honestly don't think they were asking those questions. You know, are are you having psychological problems? And this even goes back to the 1920s when Houdini was still doing stuff or trying to debunk stuff. I mean, yeah, you don't really ask a medium, you know, are you crazy? But you don't usually ask people that, you know, want to contact their dead loved ones or are hearing things, you know, what what other things are going on with you that you might be seeing this stuff? So, right. yeah, it's it's interesting, and we've kind of brought you guys, like we said, through a pilgrimage of the paranormal from 1800, just because, like we said, we really didn't find a whole lot of info prior to that, because, like Eric had said, they really weren't looking for a reason for these things. They just believed oh, it's ghosts, oh, it's demons. You know, there was no reason to look for it. Right. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and take our second and last break of the evening. You are listening to Paratruth Radio, and we will be right back after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's going on, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Did Rover find evidence of past life on Mars? Geologists have managed to link silica deposits on Mars with biological processes occurring on the Earth. The team from Arizona State University found intriguing similarities between silica deposits photographed by NASA's Spirit Rover on Mars nine years ago and hot spring silica deposits in northern Chile, which are known to have been at least partially formed through biological processes. The fact that microbes play a role in producing the distinctive silica structures at El Tatio raises the possibility that the Martian silica structures formed in a comparable manner, said Steve Ruff, one of the researchers involved in the study. In other words, with the help of organisms that were alive at the time. While the research doesn't prove that the deposits on Mars are definitely biological, the patterns seen in Chile have been described as among the most Mars-like of any silica deposits on Earth. It will take a much more in-depth look at the deposits on Mars, however, to ever know for sure. Scientists discover huge ice deposits on Mars. NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter has identified an ice deposit with more water than Lake Superior. Mars may no longer be covered in rivers and oceans, but below its surface there still lies a large amount of water locked away in ice deposits that could one day sustain human population. This latest ice deposit, which measures up to 170 meters thick in some places, was found using data acquired from over 600 scans of Utopia Planitia, a mid-latitude region of the planet. This deposit is probably more accessible than most water ice on Mars because it is at a relatively low altitude and it lies in a flat, smooth area where landing a spacecraft would be easier than at some of the other areas with buried ice, said co-author Jack Holt from the University of Texas. 
Scientists believe that the deposit formed several billion years ago as a result of snowfall, which built up an ice sheet mixed with dust from the surface. In total, it accounts for around 1% of all the water ice known to exist on Mars. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we just took a pilgrimage through the paranormal. That's going to be the next TV show, by the way. <laughs> so whoever, freaking A, whoever out there decides to come up with a TV show and names it a pilgrimage to the paranormal, the money's coming here yeah. to us. I say it right here. What is this? 7.02 p.m.? What's the date? November 22nd, 22nd as we're recording 2016 Tuesday. Just remember guys, if I find it, I'm coming after you. Technically speaking, gonna, it is copyrighted when <laughs> it is, it is the moment you say it's copyrighted and you know, and you can, I mean, it's copyrighted the moment you write it down, but as long as you have this, I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to become millionaires. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we, we came across and we gave to you guys as always we leave it up to you to decide you know what really is going on in the paranormal community and that includes under the paranormal umbrella sasquatch ufos any type of cryptid creatures you know and we we really didn't touch base on paranormal movies because we have talked about this in the past and Basically, I think it's kind of like Eric's said in the past. It's kind of a a fad right now. You know, it's probably going to phase out here soon, especially with certain people like Eric himself and some of his other uh, buddies that have gone through the program that he has where, you know, a lot of people want to bring back the creature features, the old school Mm -hmm. jump scares, because now today all it has really been except for in the case of technically maybe paranormal activity because they haven't, I haven't really seen too much CGI in the paranormal activity movies, but we use a lot of CGI in the the horror films nowadays, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, which means if creature features are coming back, that means people are going to start believing in werewolves and vampires again. <laughs> and all the more reason to do shows on werewolves and vampires. <laughs> but guys, you're regressing here. It's not a good thing. It's supposed to move forward. You start killing people because they think they're a vampire or a werewolf. <laughs> that, that would suck, but with... Ask questions, people. Yeah. Debunk it. <laughs> <laughs> With the way the world is right now, I'm not so sure that, that there's going to be asking questions and then killing later. It's usually shoot first and then ask questions later. Right. But, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of great info for you guys. So if you have any questions, you know, get a hold of us. I will provide you guys with as much links as I possibly can about what we came across. And, uh, next week we're going to do 
black dogs. And Eric has come across some interesting information on this. So it's one of those topics that kind of falls into paranormal cryptid kind of combination. So we will uh, do that next week. Any final thoughts on the whole pilgrimage to the paranormal? No. <laughs> No, I, I think I kind of I made my peace with that. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Do your research and ask questions. A lot of this stuff, I mean, unfortunately, some of it just falls into our beliefs. But all I can say is I hope you've enjoyed the pilgrimage through the paranormal. I want to wish everybody a super and happy Thanksgiving. I hope nobody killed somebody for something on Black Friday. <laughs> And um, just keep listening in, guys. Uh, we are having a bunch of great stuff coming up. Christmas, New Year's is coming up. That Those are shows you don't want to miss on Paratruth Radio. By the way, it is now okay to talk about Christmas in front of me. So feel free <laughs> to post your stuff <laughs> on Facebook. I know I gave a couple of people a hard time. I.E. Heidi, if you're Damn. listening. <laughs> so, yeah, a bunch of great stuff coming up. Like us on YouTube. Follow us on Spreaker as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on LinkedIn if you guys are on LinkedIn. If you're not, that's okay. It's more of a professional type style social media. And, and any podcast apps as well as iHeartRadio and iTunes. So until next week, folks, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. 
Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.